Hey y'all, my name is Shalane Hughes and welcome to my podcast. In today's episode, I had the honor and privilege of talking to Brian Rasmussen. And it's so interesting to hear the similarities and differences between the North and the South, kind of. So it's like just very, very intriguing to hear and learn some new things. Um, learning the behind the scenes of training and uh, different disciplines that uh brian competes in and trains horses in so i hope that you guys enjoy this episode and um let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor of the episode real quick um from anchor hello hello hey how are you i'm good how are you (laughs) good can you hear me all right yeah i can hear you just fine can you hear me good Yep, I can. All right, that's good. Well, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? Uh, doing good. I'm just getting off of work, so. Oh, I'm lucky that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said I've been having to contact you a lot. Like, okay, what do you do for a job? How did you do it? Like, and that's what I want to get into a little bit later on with you about that. And just for anybody else that's wanting to start a horse training business like you have. Yeah, uh, but let me, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, so that people know who you are here. So my name is Brian Rasmussen. Um, I live here in central Utah and I uh, just run a horse training business um, full time now. So I start colts, uh, rope horses, barrel horses, a little bit of everything. And so that's all I've done my whole life, so I don't I don't really know anything, you know, as far as a nine to five. So I'm pretty lucky that way. Yeah. Um, now, how did you <clears throat> get started into the riding, and then like later, or did you get started in riding and competing around the same time, or was it riding then later on competing, or? Yeah. So um, I was just kind of born into it. My grandpa, he raced uh, flat track race horses as well as chariot horses, and then. My dad did the same as well, and my dad high school rodeoed and all of that, and then he was training racehorses full-time um, until us kids came along, and then he got into construction, but so it's just it's just kind of been a part of my life forever, and I, believe it or not, when I was younger, I was really afraid of horses, and so I started riding when I was probably about six, but I didn't start competing until I was eight, just because I was... Yeah so afraid of them that I didn't, you know, want to do too much on them. But, you know, one day it just clicked. And ever since I've been hooked. Yeah, that is really interesting. I didn't think, uh, how big is the racing up there? I mean, um, it's not as big anymore. It used to be a pretty good industry. Now there's only about three tracks, uh, maybe four uh, in the state that consistently have races, but it used to be a really big thing. Um, now, every winter, we have the chariot racing, and the world finals of that are held just like an hour north of me, and so that's that's a pretty big thing um, in this part of in this part of the country, but the flat track has kind of died off, you know, if you want to be big in that, now it's all a lot in California, so. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't really, because uh, I used to want to be a jockey and everything, and I never really seen a whole much in uh, Utah or anything. Um, yeah, so. yeah. So y'all do a lot of, like, the standard bread uh, racing with the cars? Um, no, with the with the chariot, they, they run quarter horses on it. And so 
like with that. the the standard red racing from what I've seen is you know where they have that specific gate that they want mm-hmm. and the chariot racing is basically they hook up two horses to an aluminum cart I don't know the the specific weight that it is but it's super light I mean you could lift it by yourself it's lightweight for for racing and they put them in starting gates just like they would in regular racing and then they have anywhere from two to four teams that run down the track just like a normal race and so that's kind of that's kind of what the chariot racing is it's really intense and pretty dangerous but that's that's what my dad and my grandpa did a lot of okay okay i got you now i i was thinking of like with the standard breads i didn't realize that there was like thinking of like ancient greece or anything where they had yeah uh, okay i got you now yep oh wow that's that's an interesting background right there i've never heard of that before um so yeah it's kind of different it's something that i would i'd love to be a part of one day because my dad kind of quit doing that when i was probably five or six as well and so i kind of got a taste of it but i i never was really into it as an adult and so something that my dad and i both want to get into one day and we have some young horses that we might try and run when they're older but just at the current part of my life, you know, it's not something that I'm into right now, but. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is really interesting. I'm definitely going to have to look into that. I'm probably going to have to come up there <laughs> to go see that one time because I definitely love watching like the horse racing and everything and just being introduced to all the different disciplines with the horses. Now you said that you have a couple of babies and stuff. Um, I've been watching one of your mares, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the different opportunities that you've been able to get with her? Cause I've seen y'all doing a lot. Yeah. So the story behind her is kind of funny. Um, she, let's see, she is seven years old. Well, she'll be eight in 2021. And mm-hmm. I bought her as a three-year-old. Um, she was one that one of my friend's family had raised and she ran on the racetrack as a two-year-old. And then they just kind of turned her out for the winter as a three-year-old. And they called me in February of, I guess it would be 2016, and said, hey, I have this really well-bred mare, but she's really lame. Um, She's just been turned out with brood mares all year. And, you know, if you want to try and fix her up or have her as a brood mare, come take a look at her. So I went and looked at her. She was really underweight. She was lame on both front feet. And, Mm. but I, you know, I took a shot. Um, I brought her home and tried her for about a week. And as soon as I got her out of, out of the wet corral that she was in, her feet, you know, cleared up and she wasn't hardly lame, but she was still really underweight. So I just rode her a couple of times to kind of get a feel for her mind, um, and decided to buy her and got her all healthy, fed up and all of that. Um, and my plan with her was to, to just get her healthy and then resell her. And well, I still have her five years later, so obviously that didn't happen, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was one that, you know, I tried to sell as a three-year-old, as a four-year-old, and no one wanted her, and she's really well-bred. She's beautiful, big bay mare, and I just couldn't sell her, so anyways, I ended up running her in the barrel fraternities as a five-year-old, okay. and she did pretty well there. Um, she was my first fraternity horse, so I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing as far as the fraternities. And so I didn't push her extremely hard, but pretty much everywhere I took her, she got a check somewhere. And so she did really well for me there. And then I ran her in, in the derbies as a six-year-old and she just kept getting faster and faster. 
Um, she, you know, pretty much became a consistent 1D horse. She placed at the Heber fraternity. I think she was top 10 out of almost 400. So she was just, she was a late oh, wow. bloomer. <clears throat> Excuse me. She was a late bloomer, but she really came into herself her six-year-old year. And then this year, um, I just kind of did the same thing in the springtime and just, you know, hauled her. She ran good, but she just wasn't clocking extremely well. Um, and then one of my friends, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't even know her at the time. Her name's Shelby McCamey. Um, but she called me and said, Hey, I'm out here in the Northwest and she's from Texas. Yeah. And she said, Hey, I'm out here in the Northwest, um, pro rodeoing and my horse got hurt. Um, I heard through the grapevine that you have a really nice marriage anyway, I could take her. And so, um, a couple days later I went and picked picked Shelby up from the airport and took her up to Tremont in where she ran her first and mm-hmm. she went on the road for a few weeks with her and did really well she didn't take immediately to the rodeo ground just because yeah. we're so spoiled here in Utah with good ground everywhere she <laughs> never felt anything you know that wasn't perfectly groomed and so she worked good for her but she just wasn't clocking too and so I brought her home and I I pretty much checked everywhere we couldn't find any soundness issues or anything and so I just kept riding her for a few weeks and I was like, you know what, she just doesn't feel, she just doesn't feel right. And so my gut for the past year had been telling me, have her scoped, have her scoped, you know, in her lungs. And yeah. I was like, well, she doesn't show any signs of needing it done. So why would I do it? But anyways, I was like, I've, I've had this nagging feeling. I'm just going to get it done. So I ended up scoping her and right as they went in her airway, they found out that it was pretty much almost all the way blocked. Um, and her epiglottis, which is what keeps the the part of basically cartilage and tissue that yeah. keeps the horse from um, swallowing water or food down their air pipe, had flipped over itself and gotten stuck and then inflamed. So it was blocking most of her airway. So that answered, mm-hmm. you know, the reason that she wasn't clocking. But yeah. anyways, long story short, um, I did surgery on her. It didn't work. So now she's just a rope horse full time. And I don't think... I don't think I'll run her again on the barrels. You know, she still clocks pretty consistent in the 2D, but if it's something that down the road is going to hurt her and she's not going to want to do her job anymore, I'm just not going to do that to her. So um, I've just been roping off of her mainly. She's a super nice head horse too. So that's kind of her job, but that's, that's Alice. So she's been a pretty special horse in my life for sure. Yeah. It seems like y'all have a really good connection. I love watching the videos of the runs and everything. Um, but that's great that she knows like multiple jobs so that she can, if she can't do one thing, then she can definitely fall back on another. Right. And how many babies do you have in your training, like in your training facility right now? Um, so right now I've got a few of my own and I have a bunch of outside horses for clients as well. Um, Mm -hmm. right during the winter, we get pretty bad winters up here. So I keep my numbers down. I have eight outside horses right now. And then in the summer, I usually take between 12 to 16. Um, and then I've got a two-year-old and a yearling and some weanlings that are mine personally and my dad's. Gotcha. Um, and then we don't, we didn't get any married bread last year. It was just kind of, you know, the whole 2020, it happened on my breeding season too. And yeah. so, <laughs> so we didn't get any mares bread. We don't have any foals coming this year. Um, but then I have some some breedings purchased for my mares this next year and pulling some embryos and stuff like that. So it should be exciting. 
Oh, I bet. And just just out of curiosity, are you planning on pulling an embryo off of Atlas? Um, not this year. So okay. I actually purchased Alice's mother. Um, let's see, it would be two or three years back. And I just loved her so much that I I I had to find her mom because the breeding has always been really intriguing to me. So I tracked mm-hmm. down her mom and I I told the guy, I said, Hey, I have a, a mare out of one of your brood mares. She's amazing. If you ever want to sell her, let me know. And yeah. so um, probably a year or two down the road, he called me and said, Hey, I have a couple of colts that I need broke. If you'll take this one and ride it for three months, you can have that mare. So yeah. I got Alice's mother that way. Um, and so I'm going to pull some embryos from her mother this year. Um, and then maybe next year I'll breed Alice or get some embryos out of her. So uh, I got you. So you got the mother and daughter duo right there. Yep. Yep. I do. Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause like, I ended up buying a little yearling. She ended up having a baby as a baby. So now I got a mother and daughter duo too. And I'm just like, Oh, oh really? they need to be a little bit further along before I even think about breeding again. Right. Uh, but yeah, that that's very interesting. So, how many runs did she uh, did Alex end up getting in the WPRA? Um, let's see. She had it for about two weeks. Uh, uh-huh. she went from everywhere from Utah, Montana, North and South Dakota. You know, kind of all over this area. And I think yeah. she ran her about maybe eight or nine times in that two week two week period. Got and it. she pulled some checks at jackpots, but she never ended up winning any in the WPRA. But that's something that, you know, they all they all need seasoning. So we were both pretty confident in her. And then when she just wasn't clocking and acting like herself, I just brought her home. So and yeah. I'm glad I did so that she wouldn't keep running, you know, in pain. Yeah. So Yeah. Now, I had seen something that you were thinking about trying for the American that's coming up here. Is that still a plan for you? Um, you know, Alice was my main horse that I was going to make that on, or try to make that on. And so that plan kind of got altered. Um, it's, it's still in the back of my mind. I, I mean, I'll make it there someday for sure. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year or whatever, but yeah. I also bought a, well, I bought her as a brood mare. Um, I went to a farm to purchase a daughter of Bully Bullion and oh. I saw this gray mare there and she was just gorgeous, huge, great hip, like big bone, just a, a massive mare. And so I ended up bringing her home and not the bully boy on daughter. So anyways, that gray mare is still 100% sound. I had her vet checked. She's only 11 years old um, and okay. she's ran several 17 O's on a standard. And so I'm kind of thinking that I'll get her in shape and maybe take a shot at it on her. But you know, that's all kind of up in the air still, too. So, yeah, I feel like uh, how everybody's coming off of 2020, a lot of people had injuries like Shelby did. Um, you just found out with Alice and everything. Uh, one of my horses or actually both of my horses are out right now. So it's like I feel like coming off of 2020, everything's still kind of up in the air for 2021 of when we're all going to get back started and everything. So Right. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm just like, if it happens, great. If not, you know, that's fine too. There's, there's more years for it. So, yeah. and yeah. I've got, and I've got Alice's little baby brother. That's a weanling. So maybe he'll be the one to get me there too. You never know. Oh my goodness. That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a weanling right now. Yeah. So he was born, okay. um, let's see, April of 2020. And 
the mare that he's out of, which is Alice's mother, she had a lot of trouble at birth. Well, after birth, um, and she tore and almost bled out. We almost lost her anyways. So he was actually raised by a different mare to let that, to let Alice's mother heal. And so he's, he's a little bit different. He's kind of skittish because the mare that raised him was a little bit flighty, but I think he'll come out of it. So yeah, so I'm excited for him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember seeing something like that on your Instagram where you had to get a, like a orphan mama or something. Yeah. Uh, but um, also, you said that you've got some babies coming up. Are you planning on doing any futurities this year uh, with the barrel racing? Or Yeah, so I have a an outside horse. Uh, she'll be five in 2021. And um, I've I've been exhibitioning her. She's been entered once, and then she'll run in the futurities this year as a five-year-old. So I've got her coming up. Um, and then I have a three-year-old that is by my dad's stallion that I'm going to try and have ready for the juvenile at the BFA this fall. And then he'll run uh, in 2022 as a four-year-old. And then I have his full brother for the year after him. And then I've got some babies for, you know, the years after that. So um, I just have one this, this year, one the next year, and then I'll have a lot to choose from for, from now on. So Gotcha. So you have a roster like slowly building up for each year. Yep. Yep. So, um, so with your, when you do the faturities, do you, would you prefer the babies to be like older, like run them as a five-year-old or do you mind running them as a four-year-old or? Um, you know, I'm, I'm still somewhat new to that world. So, but from, but from the ones that I've ridden, um, I think it just depends on the individual horse, you know, if, if they're ready to run as a four-year-old and they're sound enough, their body's ready, they're, they're mentally there, then do it. Um, and if they're not, hold them off till they're five. So the mare that I was, that I'll run this year is a five-year-old. She's one that was physically ready and, you know, trained well enough that she could have ran last year as a four-year-old, but she's just hot enough that I knew if I pushed her hard, she'd blow up pretty easily. And so, I just held her off as a five till she's five. Um, and then the next few years, I'm hoping to have them ready to run as four-year-olds just because I'm trying to push my dad's stallion. So the more babies that we get out there, the quicker, the better. But I mean, if they're not ready, then I'll hold them off till they're five. If they're not ready when they're five, then I just won't run them, you know? So yeah, it just depends on the horse really. Gotcha. Yeah, because I noticed like Mild Philly that she's she's pretty much there like mentally, but physically I feel like she could use some more growing room. But I'm not planning on really featuring her, but more of her baby. And I think I may hold her off till five because she is a long, a long yearling of what you whatever you may call her. Yeah, yeah, and She's I not... think I think that's perfectly fine. You know, if and if the fraternity is your income, then you've got to push them a little bit harder, but. At the same time, all trainers just have the horse's best interest in mind. So whatever's best for the horse, then that's what I do. So, Gotcha. Now, uh, I think this is my last barrel racing question for you. Okay. Because um, I have just what I've heard on my side of like around here with some of the guys barrel racing. What is your, what is your personal experience been uh, being a guy in the barrel racing industry? You know, that's it's a question I get a lot. And it's one of those things when I started to run Alice in 2018. 
Um, I didn't want to go anywhere because I ran barrels as a kid and in junior rodeos and all that. And then once you get to sixth grade, you have to start roping. And so that's what I did. I still rope today, but um, I always liked the barrel horses and training barrel horses. I have three older sisters, so I was always tuning on theirs and everything like that. But when it came time for me, once I graduated high school to haul Alice, I didn't want to go because... I was worried of what people were going to say about me and, you know, the stigmas that come with guy barrel racers and, oh, it's a woman's sport. And I let that eat me up for quite a while, honestly. Um, And so I just wouldn't go. And, and then finally one day I was like, you know what? I have this talented horse. If I don't take her, someone's got to, and I want to be the one on her back. So I just have to get over what people might say about me and bite the bullet and just go. And so you know, I, but, but the best thing is once you get into the barrel industry, um, I've never heard anyone, you know, talk down about me as a guy barrel racer or really any guy barrel racer, but it is, there is that stigma out there and it makes, you know, you worry as a male barrel barrel racer, what people will say or think or whatever. But it's one of those things that if you're a male barrel racer out there, you just have to you, you just can't care because guess what? When you go out there and outrun everyone, they'll shut up pretty quick. And so I'm not one that I'm not one that really thinks that way, but that's the way that I had to look at it because, you know, it's, it's really no one's business what you do with your life except yours. So whatever you want to do, you just do it. So, yeah. And, and I tell you that the highest earning barrel trainer ever is Troy Crumrine. That's a guy. And so, it's, you know, back in Brazil, it's a men's sport. And a lot of the fraternities, once I got into the fraternities, there's a lot of guy barrel racers. So once you just kind yeah. of dive into it, it's really not that rare, you know. Yeah. I noticed that with a lot of, like, the fraternities and stuff. Like, even there's a guy that um, he takes a couple of um, horses from around here. Um, there's a breeding farm that they have and they have some babies coming up that they send off with him and he lives in Texas and takes their horses to the fraternities for them. Yeah. Um, but like, I've noticed that is a big thing. Like, even though like the guys can't like compete pro with it, there are a lot of very successful, uh, fraternity trainers that are guys. Right. And I was, I was just wanting to hear it from your point of view, because I have, I've been on the backside and heard how like, Oh, this like a guy showed up and rode like three horses and they're like well he, he's a guy and he, this is a girl sport and he shouldn't be allowed I'm like it doesn't matter really right I mean, are you mad because like they're running faster than you or right yeah and that's that's the way that I kind of look at it like in the rodeo world it is a women's sport and that's great because the way that the way that horse trainers in general but specifically fraternity trainers make their money is when Mm. their horses go on with someone else and they win because if they own the horse, then they get a percentage of that money. So say, you know, some, if I get another horse down the road that is good enough to go on the road with a woman, then I would say, heck yeah, take her. Because not only does that put money in your pocket, but when people see that horse out there winning at the rodeos and ask, where did you get that horse? And they say you, then that's going to bring you more business. And so I think I think everyone would be surprised on how many barrel horses out there were trained by fraternity trainers, but let alone male fraternity trainers, you know. So yeah, there's exactly. that avenue to go down to as well. Yeah, 
And I just love watching the American because you see some of the guys bring the fraternity horses out or the horses that they've trained out to the American. And it's like the pros versus Joes. And you see like half the field being guys. And it's like, dude, like. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're tough. They're really tough. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was all very interesting seeing that. And then just like hearing some of the stuff on the backside. And I was just wondering if maybe you got any like, any bad like comments to your face or anything about it or if you were just if you just pretty much went along with everything else and yeah and I'm I'm sure I've gotten a lot behind my back I haven't heard a lot to my face but for the most part you know everyone's really welcoming you always get that catty click you know that that people don't want you in or whatever but for the most part I've been welcomed with open arms so that's been awesome gotcha well that's good to hear that you haven't really been getting a whole bunch of people coming at you yeah yeah um now you said that you do roping and I've been seeing some uh videos and pictures of you with a buckskin horse is that your main roping horse or yeah so Alice that is the barrel horse is actually my main head horse and so I head off of her and then I have a buckskin her name is Reb and she will be 10 this year um I got her as a three-year-old as well so I've had her a while and she's mm-hmm. my calf horse, and then I've also started healing on her this summer, so she kind of does both there. But those are my two main rope horses. Gotcha. And have do y'all do anything like in the PRCA or just locally? Or um, I haven't done anything in the PRCA yet. I do the amateur associations, which is the Rocky Mountain Professional Rodeo, and I've been calf roping okay. there for three years about now. Um. And so I was kind of thinking that I would get my rookie permit in the PRCA to calf rope on in 21, but the way that it's looking with all the rodeos canceled, I don't really want to waste my rookie year. And so I think I might hold off another year to kind of see how this whole pandemic works out. But that's definitely a goal of mine to rodeo full time and, you know, make the NFR and all of that. So gotcha gotcha yeah I had ended up purchasing uh my permit card before the deadline went up for 2021 and now it's like all the rodeos around me just canceled right I'm hoping that the one next month doesn't cancel I know <laughs> and so it's like but I'm hearing a whole bunch of stuff that everything's supposed to be starting back up like in April or May like getting ready to come into the summertime so hopefully uh, everything starts getting back into full swing around that time. But with all the winter rodeos that are coming up with January and February, they are going ahead and canceling them and just wait until next year. Yeah, and that's the same around me. We were pretty lucky. Um, our circuit is amazing. I mean, the people in it are all in, and they're they're just great. And so last summer, we had a pretty good chunk of our circuit rodeos still, but there were a mm-hmm. lot that were canceled. And so – I'm just kind of holding off. I I really want a big rookie year, and so I don't want to buy my permit and then have no rodeos to go to. So, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, so w- would you think that you might just do like calf roping or do team roping or like what if you were to go ahead and get your rookie card? What events do you see yourself going in? Um, calf roping's always been kind of my love. Like even being little watching the NFR, I'd sit there on my rocking horse and rope a stuffed animal in front of me and go down and tie it like as I was watching the NFR. And so that's just, that's always been kind of my event that I just love. 
and I think it's because it didn't come easily to me and it still doesn't. And the team roping, not that I was some like prodigy in it, but it always came pretty easily to me and I was always pretty decent at it in high school. And so I think that's why it kind of fell off on me on the team roping because for the past probably three years or so, I haven't done a whole lot of that. Um, but I, I'd love to do both eventually. I think my rookie year, I'd pretty well focus on the tie down roping and then kind of as I get more experience and more seasoned in the rodeo industry, then I'd go ahead and do both. Gotcha. Now, um, let's swing back around to this training facility because, like, I know that with me and you have been talking back and forth and how you, you were saying how you never had to worry about the 9-to-5 job or anything. You started out part-time doing training, correct? Yeah, so it's actually funny. I, I never planned to be a horse trainer. This was never, like, my end goal job all growing up I always wanted to be a vet and then in high school I just had a couple of of friends here and there that wanted me to start riding their horses and sell them or whatnot and so I think it was my sophomore year of high school that I started taking a couple outside horses and then after I graduated I looked at the cost of vet school and I was like oh shoot and so I was like I'll just, you know, spend a semester or two, save money, ride outside horses to earn some money, and then I'll go to school. And that never happened. So I've just been <laughs> training full time. Um, it's something that, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in God's plan and and you know that everything ahead of us is already planned out for us. We just have to take the right actions to get there. And so I like I full heartedly believe that this is where I'm supposed to be. It's not where I thought I would be, but I've never had to scrounge for clients. I always have amazing people that have me ride their horses and it's just, it's just all kind of fallen into place. And so this was like, never my goal. If you told me 10 years ago that I'd be training horses full time, I'd say you're crazy, but it, it just kind of happened. And so we're here. So yeah. now what was, what was it like starting up that business and uh, what's the name of it? So I've called it next gen performance horses um, because the way that I look at my program, I'm working on the next generation of them. So I, I had to add that in there, you know, but um, so that's, that's the name of it. And we're here in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Um, I'm just on my family's property here. So I'm lucky that way too. Gotcha. And uh, like, what would you say? Because, like, with my parents, and the reason why I'm not really worried about doing any kind of training horses is because they say it's a liability issue. Did you have a talk with that, like, about that with your parents whenever y'all were talking about it, or? Um, a little bit, yeah, but, I mean, my, my family's been around horses forever, so they just kind of understand that, you know, and that really everything we do in life is a liability, but horses just have a mind of their own, so they're a little bit extra, but. Yeah. Um, we have in Utah, there's the law that basically says if if you have this sign up that equine activities are an inherent risk. And if you have that sign up in your arena and someone gets hurt in your arena, then you're not liable for that. And so we have those signs up on all of our arenas and our barns and everything like that. And then when people send me horses to train, I have them sign a contract that basically says, you know, I'll train your horse. I provide the feed. Um, you know, that I'm not going to neglect it, blah, 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 all of that fun stuff. 
to hold mm-hmm. up my end of the deal. And then part of that on their end is that if some freak accident happens and their horse gets hurt or, you know, dies or whatever, then they can't hold me liable for that too. So that's kind of how I cover my butt um, as far as liability, but. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was looking at like proofs and stuff of like, whenever I was trying to write up like a contract or whatever, um, for me to like look into later on and I kept seeing that kind of line come up and I was like I don't know if it's just because it's an example or if that's actually a thing that you can do or yeah. like how to get into that but yeah with the signs uh like if somebody were to get hurt on the property like it's not like it wouldn't fall on you that's like the same down here in Louisiana too right. um they have that at all the uh rodeos and arenas and stuff mm-hmm. but um yeah, this is all really so interesting to hear, like, what it's like up there and then the differences and just. So you said with the futurities, you've been, how how long have you been doing the futurities for? Uh, 2018 was my first year. So this will be year okay. number three. Gotcha. Yep. Well, this is all very, very interesting. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any other questions that I have for you, but I think we pretty much covered everything um, from Alice to the roping and um, let me see. Oh, who is somebody that has been like your role model with all this? Like, um, you know, growing up, I always had my family here to help me and they were always very supportive and they still are, but none of them were, extremely like none of them were professionals in the rodeo industry if that makes sense so they always had horses and they knew their stuff in racing but none of them were really masters of training and so they taught me a lot off the bat as far as riding and um kind of the basics of all of that stuff and then when I started getting more into it I had to go to outside help and so um I've been I've been to a couple of Timmy Likely's barrel clinics and she's a fraternity trainer from Idaho. Um, she's amazing. And I love the way that she, pro- or that she has her program. So I've been to a few of her clinics um, that I've learned a lot from. And then I've ridden with Kimmy Wall a handful of times. I love the way that she rides. Um, and then as far as roping, I've watched a lot of like Ricky Green stuff, Cody Ole, um, you know the greats like that and then I also went to a yeah. roping school with um, JC Malone and Jake Hannum last year and they're locals here JC Malone made the NFR a handful of times but I think when I when I started reaching out for help like that and learning from people that have already been there and won that is when I really took myself and my program to the next level and so mm-hmm. those people are are people that I looked up that I look up to and of course you know like uh Tyson Durfee and Tuff Cooper I love following those guys too but but the ones I mentioned were kind of like the people that helped shape my program and you know it's it's my program people always ask well whose method do you use and I'm like well I don't really use anyone's I use mine and it's just it's just you know one of those things where you you take things you like from someone and you add it into yours and if you don't like their whole program then you don't mimic their whole program but those are those are a few of the people that have helped me that I've looked up to 
Gotcha. Yeah, Tough Cooper, I noticed he's pretty good on the social media. Um, I've noticed a little bit of stuff about Tyson Durfee, about putting stuff out. Um, but Cody Ole, I, I think it's his students that he uh, posts, like, the videos and stuff about, isn't it? Yeah, it's his students, and I, I think his kids are getting back into it now as well. So, okay. from what I understand, his something happened there in his family, and he wasn't real close to him for a while. But it seems like now, from his social media, he's back back with them and they're roping and so I think that's awesome yeah I like watching like all of I follow like a good bit of people like in the rodeo industry just seeing like the whole behind the scenes and everything and I find it all very interesting how everybody goes about and like what the with the pros back in the day we're doing now and now like how like Martha Josie has the school Cody Old has students now and yeah, and it all evolves a lot. It's evolved it a does. lot. It really does. Because, uh, like, same thing with you, how you said that your parents weren't really in the training or anything. Like, I come from the background where it's, like, my fam- like my dad did a little bit of bull riding, but he never went pro. Right. And I just found that out, like, last year. And I was like, oh, well then. Yeah. <laughs> so. We just always had horses around here, and I feel like the training really started with me. And it's and I find it interesting because it's like um, just seeing like the difference between like how me and my siblings are is like I'm mainly the only one that's very interested in horses and stuff around here. Um, I train my own horses. I've been doing that since I was like 12 because I didn't really know anybody that was trainers around my house, and now I'm like starting to starting to see how many people actually do train horses around my house. Right. Uh, that they do that for a job and it's like everybody still is like a good hour and a half two hours away from me so yeah. it's like I guess I guess I'm pretty grateful that my dad helped me a little bit whenever I was growing up training and how I wasn't just like thrown to the wolves or anything because I couldn't really find anybody closer to me right and we're lucky in but... Utah that way too because the barrel horse industry is ginormous here and I think that's why because going back to like I never planned to train horses I never planned to train horses, but I definitely didn't plan to train barrel horses. And so yeah. I think I think the reason that it happened is the industry here is huge. I mean, if you look at the leading sire of of performers and broodmares, it's Dash to Fame. And Dash to Fame was bred and raised like 30 minutes up the road. And same thing with yeah. the Goodbye Lane, which is a big sire now. He's just south of me. PC Redwood Manny and the founders of Pink Buckle are both uh, just 30 minutes south of me, too. So like the barrel racing is huge here and, and the rodeo is too. I mean, you know, pretty much every weekend you can find a few rodeos and every weekday or weeknight you can find a barrel race to go to. So we're, we're super blessed that way to have that. And so I think that's why it's taken off for me easier because it's not, it's not like what I hear Texas is, but it's still, you know, pretty awesome here. Yeah, I was about to say, so it kind of seems like you're a little bit like the Texas of the North. Yeah, it's just a lot colder and snowier here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So how often does it snow up there? Because we have not seen snow at all, like this winter. Um, It snows. I mean, the last few winters, it's been kind of weird because it hasn't snowed a whole lot. But we've we've probably had about four good snowstorms so far here um the weather this week has been amazing I mean my ground's thawed I've been working it the sun's out it's probably like a whole whopping 35 degrees which feels like a heat wave but (laughs) I mean it's 
we get a lot of snow. It, we're kind of down in the valley, so we don't get the several feet of snow that the mountains do. But uh-huh. it's it's cold. It's frozen. You know, we always get a lot of snow. So Utah is the number one skiing state for a reason. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's a because Louisiana weather is like one of those where it's like you can't have all the seasons in a week, and it's like hold my beer, watch this. Yeah, Utah's <laughs> the same way. It's like in the hundreds in the in the summer, and then it's below zero in the winter. It's just. It's bipolar, I swear, but. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, right now, it's probably only, like, 47 or something right now. And that's just because we're starting to get a cold front coming in. And it's probably going to be raining here in a little bit. Yeah. But, like, they, I was seeing on Facebook that everybody's posting that we have, like, a 20% chance of snow next week. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And you guys have the humidity, too. So, I bet it makes it really cold. Yes, yeah, so it's like bone chilling cold whenever it gets down to like the thirties and stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's like you said a whopping thirty five, and it's like a heat wave. I'm like, oh no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right now, I'm sitting in my truck in the sun, and I'm like, dang, it's getting hot. And I just checked the weather, and it's thirty seven. So oh it's a nice gosh. day. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like mid 40s and it's like uh-uh, no I'm not for it today <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm the same way but I've kind of gotten used to it because I've lived here my whole life so you just you just have to deal with it mm-hmm. so yeah it said Louisiana is one of those where for some reason it doesn't snow in the winter time it snows in like April really it's supposed to be it's like it's supposed really. to be warm uh, like it'll just for some reason it'll have like that one day that it hits just right in the springtime and it's like wait a minute and we're not going back to time. <laughs> yeah we're the same way um uh, but that is so like just to hear and like the differences and like similarities is like it's interesting how they could be different and similar in the same way like with the rodeo with the weather everything going on <laughs> just... yeah it's crazy halfway across the country and it's totally different but similar so uh-huh <clears throat> said i had a interview to hannah beth and she was she lives over in nevada where it was like in the desert but she said it was still starting like cooling off and stuff over there and it was like yeah yeah i listened to that oh. one it was good thank you yeah. uh i said i noticed whenever i'm hoping that it doesn't do it with this one um that it seemed like i was over talking her sometimes and i was like hopefully it's good this time maybe it might act up but yeah Hopefully not. No, it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. I'm going to do some rapid fire real quick, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up where you can, like, plug your sponsors, your social media, and everything. Perfect. Okay. All right. What is your favorite color and why? Um, Lime green. And I don't know why. I've always loved it. It's bright. I noticed that you polos like that yeah my polos my latigo I'm just I'm looking at my horses saddled out here my rope saddled latigo is lime green it's just my favorite (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like everybody has like that go-to color that's like it's it's attractive to their eye right yeah I love it all right if you could win an olympic medal for any sport real or fake what would it be Ooh, that's a good one um probably running or something because I'm really tall I'm 6'2 and I love to run even though I'm not a big runner so it'd probably 
probably be something in there because I feel like I'd be decent at it with my long legs. Gotcha. All right. Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, I have to go with the Hannah Beth card here because (laughs) I'm very introverted. Like I would rather spend my days alone in my barn riding my horses. But at the same time, I mean, the business I'm in, you have to talk to people a lot. And so I'd love to be an introvert, but I'm kind of a mixture. <laughs> so it's, it's like, okay, Hannah, but TM, introvert and extrovert. Yep, <laughs> yep, same one. Ah, all right. What would you say would be a hidden talent of yours? Oh, gosh. Um, I can't even think of one. All I've done my whole life is ride horses. That's all I'm good at. <laughs> so that's all you've had to worry about. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm good at. I don't know any instruments. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I said I don't know how to play any instruments. All I know is like hot cross buns on the recorder. Yeah, I don't even think I know that much. So you've got me there. <laughs> um, Let's see. If anyone were to play you in a movie, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good one too. Um, I would have to say Matthew McConaughey because I love him, and he's blonde too, so he could play me, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was laughing. I was like, you know, it would be really funny if you said Matthew McConaughey for whatever reason. That I, that's what I was thinking. Oh my gosh, here. that's so funny. Side <laughs> note: I know this is rapid fire, but side note: Have you read his new book called Green Lights? I haven't. I literally just heard about it today on a podcast. So I was like, I feel like I'm definitely going to have to read it. It's amazing. That. I've listened to it on audiobook twice. So it's super oh, wow. good. Anyways. I, I didn't even know that he wrote a book. Like, I just found out about it today. And then I was like, he writes books? Like, I, I did not even yeah, know. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It, it has language. So if that bothers you, then don't listen to it. But it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> Oh, no. I said I try to keep the podcast PG for little ears because I did, like, analytics on it. And I noticed that there are some people, like, 17 and under that listen yeah. to it. So it's, like, trying to keep it PG. But, like, around here, like... No filter. The, the F-bomb gets thrown, like, every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. So, um, let's see. Okay. for To make up for the hidden talent one, what would be something that you would like to be remembered by? Um, I think, I think about this a lot and I think it's because I've always wanted to like make an impact on people's lives. And so I think I just want, I just want people to remember me as like caring and motivated, a go-getter, but mainly, you know, most important of all, just like a good person. So, yeah. And nice horses, of course. (laughs) <laughs> and nice horses of course. <laughs> so we got to throw those out yes. there every now and then <laughs> all right brian if you wanted to go ahead and plug any kind of social media that you're on uh you can go ahead and do that now um i'm on instagram it's just brian underscore rasmussen uh tiktok i'm on tiktok and i'm somehow like blowing up there i don't know my tiktok name but <laughs> if you if you search my name you'll probably find me um and then I'm on Facebook just my name for my personal profile and then I have a next gen performance horses LLC that's the name on Facebook for that um 
that's pretty much it. I don't have a Twitter or anything like that. I have a YouTube, but all I post there are like sale videos for horses. So there's not much content there, but gotcha. that's where you can find me. Now, do you have any, yeah, do you have any horses for sale right now? Um, I do currently. I have a coming three-year-old that's a Palomino gelding that he's for sale. So if you go to my Facebook page, um, his ad is on there. And then there's also a link to his YouTube video um, as well. So. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you, Brian. I'm definitely going to have to check up with you later on this year and see where you're yeah, at. Yeah, for sure. It was fun. All right. Well, I hope that you have a good rest of your day. Try not to get too cold up there. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Talk to you later.